Um, one of the hard sayings of uh, Jesus, if you like, uh, really looking at the cost of discipleship, the cost of being a follower of Jesus. And what put this passage on my heart, really, was the shocking nature of the language with which Jesus describes our walk with him. And as I've looked at it again and again over the last few days and weeks, I felt Jesus really wants to say to us, I want your full attention. I want, to, I want you to go into this with your eyes wide open. I want you totally, not partially, not half-heartedly, no, I want you to follow, love, worship me with every fiber of your being. Despite all the trials, despite all the challenges ahead, uh, of utmost port of, of, and of utmost importance, Jesus says, do not quit. Do not quit. Do you hear that? You see, we live in a world full of quitters, don't we? If it gets hard, if life gets a bit difficult, um, people quit. If situations become tough, it can't be God's will. If, if, if it costs us something, then quitting is acceptable in our society. People quit on God. People quit on the church. They quit on their marriages, unfortunately. They quit on their children. We see it every day, don't we? Jubilee, this morning, Jesus says the road ahead is going to be tough. There's going to be trial after trial. There is. But I'm preparing you I'm preparing you for a life of costly discipleship. Believing in me, loving me, following me, obeying me, seeking me, walking with me all the way to the glorious destination ahead. Are you up for that? Now, before you answer that question, let's let's see what Jesus has to say about it. So, Luke 14 Uh, Chapters 25 to 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war with another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him, with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for uh, terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. A difficult passage. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, we love you. We declare that you are our all in all. 
We want you to be at the centre of everything we do, Lord Jesus. I thank you so much this morning for such uh, uh, um, diversity in worship. I thank you for the songs. I thank you for the people. I thank you that we can worship you in many tongues, from many nations, from many backgrounds, uh, from many ages. Lord Jesus, we want to, this morning, take stock of what's going on. We want to, this morning... um, Uh, create space to see you and hear you. So we pray, Spirit of God, come upon us, touch us, pour out your Spirit on us, pour out your grace and mercy. Speak to us this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So three things this morning um, to get you thinking um, on Vision Sunday. Uh, three things to excite you, really, about the future ahead. Things you, think, three things, probably, for us to all take stock of. And those three things are, what is Jesus calling us to? What does he call us to? Um, sorry, who does he call us? Who does he call? Who does he call? Secondly, what does he call us to? And thirdly, why should we follow him? So firstly, who does he call? So in this passage, what is going on here? Well, right at the beginning of this chapter, which we haven't read uh, this morning, Jesus is having a go at the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. He's breaking down their worldview, their understanding of what it means to be a godly person. That following God isn't just about um, keeping all the ancient rabbinic rules and regulations, but rather about a changed heart that loves God. He's challenging them. He's turning them around. He's turning their understanding around about who's in and who's out in terms of the kingdom of God. He's breaking down cultural, social, religious divides as he pours out compassion uh, to the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the poor, the disabled, the social outcasts of his day. And as you can imagine... The people are getting excited. He's rocking the town. He's creating a stir. And here at the start of the passage we've we've just read, it says this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Now, if this was me, I'd be quite chuffed. I'd have thought, well, I'd have thought, I would have thought after a few kind of well-honed sermons, the odd powerful prayer time, a few words of wisdom thrown in, thrown here, uh, thrown here and there, the place is packed out, they're all over you. Well done, Raj. Nice going. Ding dong. But curiously, in this passage, that isn't Jesus' response, is it? In fact, in some ways, it's exactly the opposite. He's actually troubled by these crowds. His response to this great gathering isn't, well, hey, look at me, is it? No, his response, uh, his response are these hard-hitting, controversial, seemingly offensive words that we've just read. Words that make you gulp in shock. And we'll get to those in a minute. But what I want to draw your attention to right at the outset is not at those, at that first, those seemingly offensive words, but rather who he's saying them to. 
Because sometimes we can read what Jesus says as if he's talking to someone else. Who's he talking to? If you look at it, he's now not talking to the religious guys anymore, the Pharisees, the holy ones. He's not even primarily talking to his closest and dearest disciples, the special ones that Jesus had handpicked to be with him. In fact, he's turning away from them now. Now, Jesus is talking to everyone else. He's talking to the crowd. He's addressing those who claim to follow him. Follow him. Every one of them. Not just the important ones, not just his favorites, not just the well-behaved ones. No, everyone. So my first question this morning, Jubilee, what part of everyone do we not completely get? You see, as we read this message this morning, Jesus is talking to everyone here. He's not excusing anyone. There are no special elite Christians in God's church. It's not just us elders, in case you were under some delusion. I'm sure you weren't. Um, it's not just us elders or community group leaders or team leaders that Jesus is calling to a life of costly discipleship. Although leaders do lead their people into this adventure with God. It's not just those of you who have been Christians for years and years and should be good at it by now. It's not just those of, uh, it's not just those of us, those of you who haven't messed up. You have a good example here before you of a person who's messed up lots of times. It's everyone. It's you, 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 and me. You see, some of you this morning will have counted yourself out. This following Jesus thing is fine, but it's not the be-all and end-all of my life. Anyway, I can't be like those other guys. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Anyway, I haven't got any GCSEs or A-levels. I haven't been to university. I don't even have a job. I don't even have a passport. Jesus can't be expecting all of this from me. Can he? Yeah, he is. Do you believe? I believe we're at a junction at the moment. We're at a critical point in our history, if you like. We can either stay as we are, this is good, I love Jubilee, as Paul said the other week, we, must be, we need to be thankful day upon day for what God is doing in this church. There's life here, God's life. We could keep going on as we are, or we could take the next step of faith, which many churches never really get beyond. And the key issue will be how on fire are we for God? How important is he to us? How overwhelmed are we by him? Because it's those kind of hearts that make a difference in church, in communities, amongst the poor, amongst the marginalized. Lives brimming, overflowing with a passion for Jesus. That's the kind of faith and worship God rewards. Question. Where 
Are you in the crowd? Because <clears throat> the temptation is that as we get bigger, <clears throat> we can just hide away. We can think, someone else will do that. I don't need to be there. They don't need me. I don't need to be uh, that serious about this God thing. I'm just a young guy. I'm just a kid. I'm not even from this country. I don't speak English. Where are you in the crowd? Because let me tell you, that will be the difference to whether we stay where we are comfortably here or move, or, or move to a more uncomfortable place there. Whether we stay safe or whether we go on the prophetic adventure that God is calling us to. The Apostle Paul reminds us uh, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we, you, everyone who trusts Jesus, for we are God's workmanship. The Greek word there is poema, his work of art, his masterpiece, valued and loved. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to turn that on its head a little. What are you not doing for him that he has prepared for you to do? Why not? Are you just following the crowd? Are you playing it safe? Look, Jesus says to everyone, everyone this morning, everyone means everyone. And my grace and my spirit is sufficient for every one of us. Who does he call? Who does he call? Secondly, what does he call us to? Right, the difficult bit. I'm going to take a gulp of water before I get into this. Sit up straight. Um, put the backs of your seats forward. Strap up. Jesus says in verse 26, if anyone, and that means everyone, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross, a tool of gruesome execution, and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Wow! Don't like Jesus now, do you? You know, when I was in Canada um, a few uh, weeks back now, um, the thing that would really get to me uh, was in the shops you'd buy something and then they would add the tax. You'd see a label on, the, on, the, um, on something that you want to buy and they would add the tax on afterwards. It did my head in. So when you were looking around in the store and thinking, wow, that's a really good deal. Great, I'm going to get that, take it to the checkout, a card in the swipe machine, and what? That's not the same number that it said it was on the label. And then the lady had said, no, sir, that's without tax. You're from Britain, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Sorry. Or when you buy cheaper 
um, those cheaper ticket, tickets through some of those budget airlines and what you thought was initially a really good deal suddenly changes as they start to add this tax on and that baggage fee and this booking charge and that comfy seat charge. Ah! You know what? Jesus is no salesman. He's not trying to market anything, sell anything, con anyone in any way. There's no small print. There's no little thing on the label. There are no surprises. Here, he's saying very strongly, he's being brutally honest. He's telling us right from the outset that everything that matters in our walk with God is costly. Everything that matters is hard. Everything that matters will cause a degree of discomfort and sometimes pain. When it comes to discipleship, following him, there is no path of least resistance. So why does Jesus say what he says in the way he says it? What's Jesus actually getting at here? Hate your mum? Hate your dad? Hate your kids? Hate your wife? Is he out of his mind? Obviously he's not. He's trying to get our attention. Has he got your attention? I can hear by the silence he clearly has. He's got mine. Jesus here is using a way of Jewish language that you actually see in other parts of the Hebrew Bible to emphasize something. The way Jesus uses here, a hate here, is probably best translated really to love less. It's talking about a comparative hate rather than an active, aggressive hurt. He's saying, compared to your love for me, your love for anyone, anything, even your nearest, dearest, even the things that others look to as most valuable above everything else, even compared to your very own life, all of these other things, these other people, will look like it compared to your love for me. Daryl Bock, um, who wrote a commentary on uh, Luke, he says this, the call to hate simply means to love less. The image is strong, but it's not a call to be insensitive or to leave all feeling behind. Following Jesus is to be the disciples' first love. This pursuit is to have priority over family members and one's own life, which means that other concerns are to take second place to following Jesus. That's what he's trying to hammer home. He's saying that our relationship with him, Jesus, needs to be in an altogether different category, far above and beyond every other relational love commitment he, uh, we have. He's saying, look at all these kinds of love in there. There's, there's family love, there's sexual love, there's fatherly love, there's friendship, brotherly love. Look at all those different types of love. And he says, I want and I offer you a kind of love that makes all of those other loves pale by comparison. It's not just about priority. It's not just about importance. It's not just about putting me first. It's not just uh, about obedience. It is all those things, yes, but it's much, much more. It's about love. It's about how you love me. That's why Jesus is phrasing it like that. That's what Jesus is trying to get our attention about. Terry Virgo 
um, writes this, love is the key word in this passage. The high goals anticipated for the body of Christ can only be accomplished by a walk of love. Every day, the stars are always out there in the sky. But you don't see, their, you don't see them, do you, every day? Um, you don't see their beauty every day as you look into the, into the sky right now, do you? Why? Because of the overwhelming light of the sun. And Jesus says, that's the kind of love I want from you. Not to put out all the other kinds, but instead to flood them with my unceasingly all-encompassing, glorious, brilliant, bright love. And you know what? What Jesus is saying here is very practical. It's It's about dying, actually. Take up your cross means you're on the way to execution. We talk about dying in church quite a lot, actually. I was thinking about this the other day. A few weeks ago, we broke bread. What's that about? It's about dying. When we, were, when we baptized a whole lot of other guys uh, the other morning in and out the water, what's that about? It's about dying. Some of the songs we've sung this morning, they too are about dying. Just read the Bible. It's everywhere. Colossians 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, died to the flesh with all its passions and desires. Following Jesus is about dying. He didn't say, take up up my teachings. He didn't say, take up my wisdom. He didn't say, take up my example, although we do that. No, he says, take up my cross, cross. Jubilee, the Christian faith, our growing in God, is a work of the Holy Spirit where Jesus is being formed in us, where we become, say, do, feel, think, talk, act like Jesus. It's a supernatural thing. We are in Christ now. All our old sinful passions and lusts and ways of thinking, we're dead to them now. They don't have, they don't have a grip on us anymore. That hold... They don't do that anymore. And it's so obvious in us that people around will see it. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and those who trust Jesus are, everyone, those, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. It's dead. Behold, the new has come. Don't live in the past. Jubilee, this is a time of reflection. This is a time to take stock. This is a time to ask serious questions. If we are to move forward, how are we doing? What needs to die further? Some of you might be thinking about dating or are dating non-Christian boyfriends or girlfriends. Some of you may be having sex outside of marriages outside of marriage. Some of you are looking at things that you maybe shouldn't be. Some of you are not letting go of your bitterness or anger. Some of you are letting the world or your feelings guide your decision making rather than the prophetic call of God. Some of you are so fearful about your asylum status, and I hear that. 
I hear that. But it's taking away from trusting God, from trusting Jesus in it. Some of you are being unwise with your money. Some of you are holding back on God. Some of you are being overprotective of your family, your time, your possessions. We still love you. Hear that. We still love you. But Jubilee, this morning, Jesus is asking us for you to follow me. What needs to die? What is it? As painful as it might be, as unfair as it might seem, as difficult, difficult as it will feel, Jesus calls us to a life of cross-carrying. Nothing less. Identifying with him. Putting to death the things that are not of him. What is it? Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's happened. That's the past. It's done. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But it's not just about us individually. Yes, that's important. It is. But it's also about us together. He's also calling us together, Jubilee, to a life of purpose, of going somewhere with him. That's what verse 28 is getting at. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? This is very live with me at the moment. For those of you who know, I'm building a house. Um, Not me personally, in case anybody was thinking I was going to build a house. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Jubilee, God is calling us to be strategic, working for him together. He's calling us to consider what we're doing, planning, thinking ahead, being deliberate to finish what we start. That's what following him is about. Over the last few months as elders, um, we've been meeting in a number of settings really, really trying to hear God uh, together and look what the future is going to look like. We uh, had a vision day with the elders and trustees a few months ago. Uh, We meet regularly with our elders plus team, Andy Colclough, Martin Kempson, Paul Cattrall, Sarush at the moment. Uh, We meet with our community group leaders. We met with Jeremy from uh, Christ Central Churches quite a few times over the last year and a half. We've been, uh, we've met with the Hartlepool team. And God has really been speaking to us for the last few months as what it means to us uh, as Jesus' church moving forward. What does it look like? Uh, And as I've been praying about this over the last few months, I felt God really focus my attention on three things. I need things simple. Three things. Things that we are to give our prayers, our attention, our resources to over the next few years. Things that are not necessarily going to be easy or tidy or safe or comfortable. That's how you often know that they're not from God, actually but things that will set foundations for kingdom growth and fruitfulness in Jubilee Church. And the three words that God put on my heart, really, were community, influence, and leadership. 
kingdom community, kingdom influence, and kingdom leadership. So firstly, community. Discipleship, this is all about discipleship. Discipleship, you see, primarily occurs in community. As we gather together in the name of Jesus, he's there with us. What sets us apart from all other organizations, what people are bowled over by week in, week out, is that we are first and foremost a people who go out of our way for God and go out of our way for each other. Gordon Fee, a Bible uh, teacher, says this, God isn't simply saving diverse individuals and preparing them for heaven. Rather, he is miraculously creating a people for his name among whom God can dwell and in whom in, and in her life together will produce God's life and character in all its unity and diversity and joy. Wow. I love our community groups and prayer teams. Those of you who lead these and contribute and go to them, well done. God is weaving together this net across Teesside. Communities which will increasingly show love and, com- and the compassion of Jesus in and around those places. Communities um, and places and communities. Communities which will actively encourage people's walk with God. Communities which will demonstrate in different ways Jesus' commission to go and make disciples of all nations. Excellent. Are you making the effort to get to these? Are you purposefully contributing and wholeheartedly serving these? If not, why not? Over the years I've noticed, and it's been heartbreaking really, over the years I've noticed that people who don't get stuck in to close friendships with their church family, who don't make this a priority, are often in a dangerous place. When troubles come, when challenges hit us, and they will, often it's these people who are on the edge, not closely knitted in, who are vulnerable to the enemy's schemes. Yes, it's harder. Yes, it's slower. Yes, I can't be bothered sometimes. Yes, it doesn't feel very trendy. Yes, there are bust-ups. But yes, 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 it's very important. That's what we're called to. John Ortberg, um, a Bible writer, says this, The yearning to attach and to connect and to love and be loved is the fiercest longing of our soul. Our need for community with people and the God who made us is is to the human spirit what food and air and water are to the human body. That need will not go away even in the face of all your weirdness. And mine. Over the last few months, we've been discussing uh, and praying about another group in Middlesbrough. Um, about the same time, annoying to, annoyingly to us, God has been putting this vision, this passion on uh, John and Sue Kearney's heart. I love how God works. And so from the new year sometime, we're making plans to start and grow a new group out in Bramble's Farm. It's been wonderful to do Alpha there. It hasn't been particularly big, but as an eldership team, we've, 
We've, we've felt a real God push to keep serving that community. As I shared at Alpha on Wednesday, on the Wednesday gone, I feel God has turned the lights on at Bramble's Farm. And so as John and Sue are stepping out in faith and gathering a small group of people, particularly concentrating on friendship building, missional activities in the area, will you get behind them in prayer? It's not going to be easy, is it, John and Sue? Particularly working with the elders, particularly with this one, as we found this week, my, my fault. There we need your prayers for wisdom, for making things work. And actually, if you're not regularly going to a group and have a real heart for community, uh, mission, uh, talk to John and Sue today. If you're not going to a group, if you're not stuck in. Also, we're going to be running our next Alpha at Hope Brambles Farm again. That's what we feel God said. Now, I know a lot of you might be thinking, but we did it there last time. Please don't grumble. Make it work. Bring people along. God is going to be asking us to cast our nets in many unlikely places over the years to come. Community on a mission is at the heart of what God is calling us to. The training ground for our walk with him. Never static, never stagnant, going places with God. There's fa- that's a faith in action community. That's a community on fire, alive to God. Are you in or are you out? It's time to take stock, Jubilee. So community. Secondly, influence. Increasingly, I've been reading about Jesus' great commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's commission to us before he rose again. And every time I read it, God keeps arresting me with the question, what part of the, of the word go do I not understand? Because we keep changing it, don't we? Instead of go, we read it as come, don't we? We talked about that earlier this year. Come to our church. Come to our Sunday morning service. Come and we'll give you a set of friends. We say, Lord, give us a building so that loads of people can come to it. Come to hear our teaching. Come and get counseled. Come and we'll help you out of difficult situations. Come and we'll love you. Come, but Jubilee, that's not go. That's come. And the danger that with that focus, although it's not necessarily wrong, don't hear what I'm not saying, the danger with that focus is that church, is that the church settles into a static place where people have to come to rather than being the church that Jesus intended to go and release the kingdom to a lost and dying world. It restricts and restrains the church in all she should be and do. Do you see that? Jesus says, go. You see, the success of Jubilee is not going to be based on how many people we gather, although I believe we are entering into a time of numerical growth. 
No, the success of Jubilee will primarily be based on how many people we send out having an influence on people, cities, communities, structures, organizations, nations with the gospel of Jesus and the powerful, life-changing kingdom activity of God the Holy Spirit. That's what an apostolic sending, going out, going out there, resource space is all about. Julian, when he came, Julian Adams, when he came to us in December last year, he said this, God is calling us to move away from breaking, from making the church an end in itself, but rather for the church to be the platform to release Jesus' kingdom to the people. That's what go means. Another Bible teacher, friend of New Frontiers, uh, John Hosier writes, in the church we expect to see signs of the kingdom going out. So if God's will is not expressed through the church going out, then is the church really being the church at all? Answer? No. When I look at Jubilee, it keeps bowling me over at how from such a relatively small base, the kingdom of God, the kingdom activity of God is being demonstrated in and through you in such a big way. Well done. Suck it up. Remember Julian saying that. I believe God says keep going. So Dan, go with others to start a youth group in Gresham or in Bramble's Farm. Tom and Lauren, Kevin and Lisa, make a difference in your challenging schools. Andrew and Lucy Joy, go and inspire people about the creativity of our God. Pauline, go and help uh, mums and families um, in what you're called to do. In impact, go and affect the lives of young peoples and students on Teesside. Angela, Stuart, I know you guys are Angela Knight, Stuart, John, uh, Stuart um, Graham. I know you are trustees in minds. Go, mind, go and make a difference in the mental health world. You save families for children, guys. Go and affect the lives of kids and their parents with the gospel. Rob, go to South Bank. Jill and Andy, as much as I'm going to miss you guys. Really. Go to Turkey. Moses Project go. Open Door go. Hope Foundation go. Sparklers go. Jubilee plus go. Tanzania, Ghana, Canada, Zambia, Turkey. We'll keep going, won't we? Fascinating what God is doing. Amazing what God is doing. Jubilee, can I encourage you to not only pray for what the church is involved in, but what you, the church, are involved in out there. Whatever you do, whatever God has put, has put on your heart, wherever he's placed you, for however long. And it's not, and it's not, the, uh, and it's not just the big ones either. It's our kids too. What we put into them now, will, they will put into others. I see that in my kids regularly. You guys who serve and lead our kids' work, and a lot of you might not be here. You might be out there serving the kids' work. Thank you so much. They love Jubilee Church, and a big part of that is what you guys do.
They love Jubilee. Through the Word of God, through prayer, through hearing God together, through being filled with the Spirit of God regularly, through encouragement in community, through signs and wonders, we are being called to equip one another to go and make a difference out there. Kingdom influence. And can I just say one thing before I move on, now that I'm really in the mood? You guys at university here, just before you rush off and go back home or look for jobs or venture off to a beautiful town or a funky city, can I seriously ask you to prayerfully consider staying? Teesside is probably the last place that many of you thought you would end up. But I believe for many of you, God wants you here. It's certainly not the easy option. It's certainly not the sensible option. It's certainly not the attractive option. But it may be God's option. It comes down to what are are you basing your decisions on? Chris, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there, buddy. Because God sees your faith, and it's your faith That pleases God. And there's others, I'm sure. Community. Influence. Thirdly, leadership. Leadership, you see, is crucial to the plans and purposes of God. God doesn't doesn't need us. He doesn't need us, thank goodness. But But in his amazing grace, he chooses us. He delegates to us. He anoints us to operate under his supreme authority. And get this, get this, because it's through his authority, not ours, that we lead, that we lead, that we can and we should be confident and bold in our leadership. Not always easy, often challenging at times. Bill Hybels in the last day Willow Creek Leadership Summit said this, leadership is not for the faint of heart. Um, If there is ever a time crying out for courageous leadership, it's now. You see, I'm so privileged. By the way, please do pray for Paul. Um, I've actually just, it's the first time I've heard about this. I'm probably behind on my emails. I've just heard about the eye problem. I thought actually it was the vertigo, which he has occasionally. Please pray for Paul at this time. Because it's really important. Your prayers matter. Never be too busy not to pray. But I'm so privileged and honoured to be serving alongside Paul and Simon, uh, sorry, Simon and Paul. Uh, In fact, that goes for all of our elders plus team, Andy, Martin, Paul and Sarush. These are good guys that we've been meeting with, growing together in friendship. Over the years, these men have taught me much Lots about faith, about prayer, about lead, uh, about leadership, about hearing God, um, about waiting on Him. They have and still are filing off a lot of my rough edges. These guys have been there for me always, have brought the grace of God and healing and restoration to my life. Together with God, we keep each other right. We do. These are, these things are invaluable. Most of all, actually, I love these guys because they're my friends. 
When you read the Bible, you, when you read the Apostle Paul's letters, uh, he often says about himself to the churches and his leadership teams, pray for me, pray for us. Why? Because one, Paul understands how important eldership in the local church is. And two, because eldership is so much about God and so little about us. Can I encourage you, Jubilee, to keep praying for us, particularly over the next year or so, as we move through a process of transition, which kind of Paul talked about a few months ago. As myself and Simon uh, and now Sarush increasingly take on more and more responsibility for Jubilee, as Paul gets involved in other things, exciting things, as increasingly I start carrying the weight of our eldership team. They're not that heavy, by the way. Please pray for us. We really need and value your prayers. And I know a lot of you do. Pray for our unity and friendship together. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our kids. Pray for protection. Pray more and more that we would hear and trust and obey Jesus. Because the reality of it is this is a battle jubilee that we all fight together. That's why Jesus uses the picture of war in verse 31 when he calls us to consider what's fo- what following him is all about. It's a battle. It's not like a battle. It is a battle. Arthur Wallace, another Bible teacher, says this. As a man turns his face towards Christ, he hits a mountain of opposition. A lot of you will know what that means. As he presses through, he's often tempted to throw it all in. Prayer is often such hard going. All temptations return with a new lease of life. What does it all mean? It is simply discovering what the Bible everywhere teaches, that the call of Christ is a call to arms. The Christian life means warfare. Let let me tell you, Jubilee, this year or two is going to be tough. I'm so glad that right now Jubilee is in such a healthy place, that God's favor and blessing is everywhere, that we're ready for battle. But don't be under any illusion that this is going to be easy, that this is just about us, that this is just about us as elders. No, everyone is part of God's army. Everyone is engaged in battle always. Pray for us. Pray for each other. Be vigilant, on guard. Don't be caught out by the enemy's schemes. Really important. So, who does he call? Everyone. What does he call us to? A life of dying. A life of purpose. A life of battle. Community. Influence. Leadership. Lastly, and this will just take a few minutes, not very long at all, so be very quick. Jubilee, this isn't a job description that we're called to. This isn't a contract. This isn't a set of instructions. What God is calling to, what God is calling us to, is a life poured out to him in praise, in faith, in joy, in action. It's a total recognition Um, It's the fruit of what he has done for us in our lives, no less. That's why we do what we do. Pleasing him becomes the delight of our souls. 
The truth is that God brought us back to life. That's what we've been singing about. We've been ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. Not to, our, not to do our will, but to do his first and foremost. He has poured out his spirit in us so that in an extravagant excitement and gladness, we can cry out to him in absolute joy. Abba, Father, you are mine. Why should we follow him? That's why. That's what motivates us. Not out of duty, but out of delirious, captivated delight. Tim Keller writes, a preach wouldn't be uh, complete without a Tim Keller quote. Tim Keller writes, Christians have within their belief system the strongest possible resource for practicing sacrificial love, generosity, and peacemaking. At the very heart of our view of reality was a man, Jesus, who died for his enemies, praying for their forgiveness. Reflection on this can only lead to a radically different life. Jubilee is the gospel, the good news, the joy news of Jesus still working in you, still pushing you through, still keeping you focused, on all that he has for you and us together, is it? It's time to take stock. To end, another thing that Bill Heibel said at, uh, at the leadership conference, um, which really caught my attention, it's partly humorous, but it's partly very serious. And I'm going to finish with this quote, and then we're going to worship. He says this, It's hard to row a boat to the other side of the lake, when three are rowing, five are napping, and the other two are doing the best to sink the boat. Contrast that with a boat where ten people are rowing together. Who's going to win that race every time? Do not bail on your mission. Do not quit on God. Endure. Finish strong. Look to him. We're in this race together, aren't we? We're going to worship now. Um, there's a few people who aren't here this morning. We'll, um, it'll be good if you could encourage them to have a listen to that. Um, but we're going to worship God. Because the way we respond to something like this 